listening to First Church Charlotte. series I've been talking about for a while called Ask Me Anything, and unfortunately for you, you don't get to ask me anything in the middle of the service. Um, there's only 97,000 ways that could go bad, uh, but um, I very much want to, I want to let the word of the Lord speak into the questions of our life, and so we've made various ways for you to do that, and we're starting that tonight. Uh, tonight, I'm dealing largely with the issue of fear, and the question we're starting with is a question I was asked some time back, and I spent a lot of time thinking about it, praying about it, because I I have lived this in my own life, and when, when something has been very close to you, um, you can't really just think in terms of a formula. You have to, as you learn something, you think back, well, how did I do with that, and how did I do with that? And I would like to start out by saying, first of all, um, I have, if you've ever felt like you've lost in the face of fear, uh, I want to start by saying I too have lost in the face of fear, but I didn't stop fighting. I've kept fighting. And that's the same thing that we all of us are going to have to do. We're going to have to keep fighting. Can I have a big amen? And so uh, let's, let's get started on this. As we have been doing recently for your part of my ongoing effort to make you rich in the word, uh, if you go to firstchurchclt.com slash notes, you will be able to download a complete copy of my notes that I'm preaching from here uh, tonight. And there is at the end of each section, there's a place for you to type in your own notes. It also is great because you get to be on your phone and no one really knows what you're doing. You could be totally uh, playing solitaire, but uh, the advantage of this is that you then email those notes to yourself, and it's not forgotten next week. You're able to have a copy of that. It is more work on my part, but some of you guys, not all of you, some of you guys are note beasts, and you love you some notes, and notes just make you want to run around the church like Brother Anthony and say, victory in Jesus, my Savior forever. Um, So last Sunday, uh, let's see, we probably had... Um, about 400 and change adults, somewhere between four and 500 adults in the house. We had 70 people taking notes and emailing them to themselves. And so I don't know if we've ever had that many. But if you're worried about the pastor being able to watch just how interested you are, you should be very afraid. I'm just kidding, just kidding. I want to deal with this issue. What is the difference between fear, simple fear, and spiritual oppression? What is the difference between simple fear and spiritual oppression. So let's get started. Uh, This part of the church is sitting in darkness, and this part of the church has seen a great light. Uh, I see it's because there's a mismatch in the lights. Never fear. Uh, We will fix this before Sunday. In the meantime, if you guys can press forward through the great darkness, there is light on the other side of the darkness. 
there is a difference between simple fear and spiritual oppression. And if we would desire, like the apostle taught us, to uh, not be ignorant of Satan's devices, we would we would try in a spiritual manner to perceive the difference in our life between simple fear and a consistent spiritual oppression that can come against us. I want to I want to be honest. I want to be real, and I want to tell you that fear is a part of life. It's not all negative. Fear might tell you something you desperately need to know. Like, for example, that truck is bigger than you are. (laughs) You don't need to have an argument about it. You just need to move out of the way of the truck. Fear can be uh, a healthy thing. In context, fear can be the right emotion. In the right context, fear can be the right emotion. And so if any of you have lived with a reality of fear in your life, uh, there are circumstances and there are situations where fear is the right emotion uh, to have. Also, biblically, fear can refer to deep, deep reverence that we have of God. Uh, It can refer to a deep, deep trembling within our spirit for the presence of God, for the character of God. You can't talk about the character of God without talking about the holiness of God, the the otherness of God. He is not of this world. He is not comprehensible to the flesh. He is high. He is glorious. He is holy. And we want to have a deep reverence for His holiness. Uh, Fear can be the right response, yes. Fear can be what we should be feeling, but I uh, can't stop there because the truth is I feel like fear is often our enemy. In fact, I would go further than that and I would say fear is the currency of the devil. Fear is the currency of the devil. It is the money he spends in your life. Fear is the currency of hell's economy. Uh, Fear is the common battle of all who would live and walk by faith. In fact, the most common admonition given by the Lord, by an angel, by a prophet, uh, any place where there is one reality appealing to another reality, any place where heaven is beckoning earth to take a step forward, to rise up in faith, anywhere where a prophet is trying to raise up an army of believers, anywhere the most common admonition of heaven will be this, don't be afraid, fear not. In fact, there are 365 places in scripture, interesting number, right? 365 places in scripture where in one way or another, one form or another, the Bible says to somebody, stop being afraid. Fear not. You're able to take the city. You are able to overcome the enemy. So I want to, in like manner, following the biblical theme, I want to say to anybody here living in fear in your life, you are able to do what God said you can do. 
you are well able. Before you face the battle, the Lord reviewed your soul and say they said that he or she, you are able to take that victory. And so uh, I want you to understand that overcoming fear is a very common effort by any believer. It is the daily bread of the believer. And so, I want to remind you something you've heard preached around here a lot. Uh, even so, it helps to be reminded. The opposite of fear, the opposite of faith is not doubt, it's fear. Let me say that again. The opposite of faith is not doubt, it is fear. Uh, so, how do we tell the difference in our life between what is normal, ordinary, human, dare I say, simple fear, and what is oppression that the enemy of our soul, the, 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 the realm of the spirits that represent rebellion, chaos, that have only come to steal and kill what is God's creation. What is the difference between a fear that the enemy is using as a tool in your life and the simple experience of living, walking, uh, overcoming fear. I, I, when I thought about this, I, I didn't have a quick answer. In fact, when I get stuck, I tend to call people. I tend to ask them and just simply say, uh, what, how would you answer this question? And so I, I've done that with several of, of my uh, friends and even mentors, and I've, I've asked them this question, and it's a very interesting range, and I, I, I come with good and bad news. Um, the, the, the good news is you are not alone in wanting to understand this. You're not alone in uh, wanting better understanding. The bad news is nobody has anything that is quick, simple, or easy. However, everyone recognizes that fear is one of the most common attacks against people of faith. I want to I say this. This is not in my notes, but I put it in yours. <clears throat> in the prayer room before church, I logged in like a code ninja, and I added this to your notes. It's not in mine. There are three great enemies of any body of believers that is trying to fulfill a mission. I should explain. Three enemies anywhere people of God, people of faith come together and they have a mission. Somebody say, let me be one of those. So we come together, we have a mission. There are three great enemies. None of them are the devil. I know that may surprise you, but actually the Bible tells us we have a pretty good solution for the devil. The Bible says, resist the devil and he shall flee. Now, if you want to see the devil fly, that's faster than fleeing. Rebuke him in the name of Jesus. If you want to see him run, just resist him upon your God-given place and identity. You see, you're not your own. You've been given the name of Jesus. That's the point of baptism. So you can resist the devil and he will flee. Um, uh, the devil's not the biggest problem. I, I, I want, and this is something the Lord has dealt with, dealt with me with for several years. Three great enemies. Number one is a wounded spirit. A wounded spirit is a consistent enemy of the mission. Anywhere people of God come together with a goal, a plan of action, an effort, some template of spiritual mission or uh, even spiritual calling. Uh, when they come together, a great enemy is a wounded spirit. The second great enemy is a railing spirit. Railing is a New Testament word where we turn against one another and we begin to consume one another 
in an effort to create either a hierarchy of who's better, who's more spiritual, who's more powerful, or a hierarchy of who deserves something and who doesn't deserve something, or a hierarchy that in some way reflects the competition of the carnal heart that we then live out under a name of godliness. That's a relling spirit. And the third great enemy is a fearful spirit. All of these things have one common denominator. They will take your eyes off the mission God has given you and turn them on yourself as the one who needs to receive, the one who needs to be encouraged, the one who needs to be held, the one who needs to be in some way stroked or soothed. All of these three spirits will turn you from your God-given mission and calling and turn them upon yourself. I didn't get this out of a book. I didn't copy this from a message. This is the result of what the Lord has done in my life. These are three enemies of the mission. And all of these three enemies will produce the same thing. Self-serve Christianity. You see, you have a energy budget. I have an energy budget. I have so much to give. Somebody say, preach it, brother. Anybody who thinks you have limitless amounts to give, you have not been in ministry very long. And I don't mean pulpit ministry. I don't mean platform ministry. I mean the ministry of giving yourself for others. I mean the ministry of the cross. You have redemptive purpose in your life. Can I have a big amen in this house? You're living for others. You only have so much energy to give. And then you will in some form or another need to recover. Even Jesus had to slip away and find rest and spiritual restoration. And honey, baby, child, there's no risk of you being better than Jesus. And so... Um, I want to. I want you to understand this. Um, you only have so much to give. Um, if you are in the mission, that energy will be spent in empathy. Somebody say empathy. Empathy, empathy for others' needs, others' brokenness, others' lostness. They will be that energy. You only have so much will be spent missionally. But if you allow a wounded spirit, a railing spirit, or a fearful spirit work in your life, it will turn your attention inward. And what would have been empathy in missional generosity turns into a desperate need. It is spent as nervous energy within yourself. I love y'all too. You will have no budget for empathy because all your energy will be spent on trying to get over what you're going through. Trying to make it another day. Who cares that this city needs Jesus? I'm barely making it around here. Who cares that I have lost loved ones? Somebody did me wrong song church hurt, thank you for the term Nathan, church hurt will destroy your mission. At some point you've got to get over your fear of men and you've got to have a fear of God. Anything less will destroy the mission. So, all right, let me move on. That's in your notes, not in my notes. I just 
uh, threw that in, feeling very, very cool uh, as I did so. Um, I want to point out before I dive into this, because it's only 8.05, that means I have 25 minutes. Oh, I'm so excited. <clears throat> I want to uh, say, uh, first of all, this, this, the thing that I got from everybody I talked to <clears throat> on the subject uh, is this, uh, whether or not you know whether you are facing simple fear or spiritual oppression, your first response should always be a practical response. You don't always need to know why, and you're not always going to know why, but you're always going to have to get to the other side. So the right response, whether it is a simple fear or it is a spiritual oppression, the right initial response is always practical. And it is always basic. This is the right response. You need to spend time in prayer. If prayer isn't working, that means the problem isn't spiritual, but it is carnal. That means you need to fast. You will not break battles of the flesh simply through prayer. That's why fasting is necessary. Don't have time to talk about that, but it's real. You break battles of the flesh through fasting. You break battles of the spirit through the realm of spiritual impartation, intercessory prayer, uh, this, this powerful casting of your heart, soul, spirit, passion into the realm of the spirit. And so, uh, again, let me move on. There's so much here. Uh, the third basic thing, remember, we're first response, whether or not it's oppression or simple fear, is always prayer, fasting, faith. How, what do I mean by faith? Is faith something you feel sometimes if you're lucky, but faith is always something you say? I think I'm going to say that to the dark section because I don't know if y'all are getting it at all over here because the lights are out. So uh, faith is sometimes something you feel, but it's always something you say. Always, always, always something you say. That's why you don't need to let your enemy hear you talking and singing his song. Stop singing his song and start speaking faith. I'm terrified, but God's in control. I'm sick, but I have a great healer. Sometimes faith is felt, and when you feel it, you're like, whoa, my God, mm, powerful up in here. But it's always spoken. And so these practical initial response is uh, very, very important. And the last important, the very last practical response I want to give you, first was prayer, second was fasting, third was faith, or the speaking of faith. Sometimes you're lucky enough to feel it. But the speaking of faith, and fourth is the discipline of confession. Confession should be part of your daily quiet time, your daily prayer, your daily reflection. You should have a habit of confessing. You say, I don't know what I should confess. Just, just spend a little bit of time, and you'll be surprised how much you know about you. You see, we may or may not understand, but we've got to get through. We may or may not have clarity, but we've got to march forward. Uh, we have got to get through. That's why the first response is always a practical response. We live our lives forward. You guys have heard me say this a lot, but we understand them backwards. A day will come when you'll look back and you'll see how you survived oppression. At the time, you didn't have insight, but you did the right thing. You got through it. You put one foot in front of the other. You prayed. You fasted. You spoke faith. You confessed fear. And so these are practical responses. Um, I want to also say this, and I put it in your notes. Don't 
fall for the wrong assumption that understanding something will necessarily make it easier to do the right thing. It may actually make it harder. Most of my life I've made the mistake of praying for understanding when I knew I had enough understanding to know what I wanted to do. I'm just an understanding junkie. Can I get a witness from the other understanding junkies in the house? I actually had enough. I should have said within my heart, okay, I I don't need to understand everything. I am going to stand upon what I know, and I'm going to take my energy. Remember, you don't have unlimited energy, and I'm going to commit it to something that has a greater worth than my need to feel like I understand everything. So uh, you, if you allow yourself to believe that uh, understanding whether or not you're living with simple fear or you're dealing with spiritual oppression, it may not make your right step, your right next step any easier, even if you press through to understanding. Um, So I want to, having introduced the subject uh, in a quite ample way, I want to give you what I feel like, uh, the three things the Lord has given me uh, prayerfully as I have wrestled with this question, how I can honestly deal with the question of whether or not something is a simple fear um, or is it uh, a tool, a type of spiritual oppression in my life. And so the first thing, the first thing that I would have you ask yourself um, is a question that will help you place fear within context. And that is this, when does the fear come to you? When does the fear come to you? Somebody say when. When does the fear come to you? If the fear is in context of a moment of spiritual breakthrough, there's probably a spiritual component to it. Elijah is a man of stunning courage until he has a breakthrough. And Israel chooses that they're going to serve Yahweh. And the prophets of Baal are slain upon their heights. And one person, Jezebel, says, I'm coming after you. The whole army, including the king, has been after him for three years, never bothered him. But at this moment, On the other side of his breakthrough, all of his courage crumbles. If you have just had a great breakthrough, I'll give you a personal example. I have noticed that right on the the moments of some of the greatest things that have happened for our church, I personally will live through a great oppression of of fear. I personally will have fear uh, come on to me. And um, not fear for my life, not fear, fear uh, that oftentimes is, 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 is difficult to place in an easy description. And I find myself sitting with my wife because it's her job to keep me sane. And it's my job to keep her saved. You see how I did that? See, that's just a God thing right there. See, uh, you keep me saying I keep you saved. My God, I hear your voice. (laughs) SMH, baby, SMH. Shake my head. So, um, anyway... Uh, and, I, and, I, and I find myself telling her, I don't, I, can, I, can, I don't describe it what it is, but I can be driving home from the breakthrough. And just, and just, if there is an awareness in your life of you just had a breakthrough, you are right on the edge of a breakthrough, and you feel a great assault, there is a chance that uh, there is a spiritual component to that fear. Now, if you know that, you can take it as a compliment from your enemy. Amen. 
In fact, um, I here a few months back, I, I told uh, our pastoral staff, we were together, we were doing some training together, and I told them right after this, there's going to be a spiritual attack against this church because this is too powerful for hell to leave us alone. And no sooner did I tell them that than uh, there are some things that we, we, we had to deal with. Uh, because it can be, if you can rise, and if I can rise, preaching to myself, to a level of spiritual maturity, it can be a compliment from your enemy to attack you with fear right on the edge of your breakthrough. And you can even, if you can find in yourself the courage to do it, you can even face the fear and say to your enemy, thank you for the compliment. I was impressed too with what God is doing. <laughs> The second, the second uh, image I'll give you is Jesus in the wilderness. Now, Jesus has been preparing for ministry. He spent his whole life in preparation. Uh, the devil never really planned a special assault. But on the eve of Jesus standing up in a synagogue and saying, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me. On the eve of uh, Jesus uh, announcing his ministry, all of hell comes against him in the great temptation of Jesus Christ. It is in this moment of his prayer, his fasting, his 40 days of spiritual isolation and preparation for his public assumption of a mantle of anointing that hell attacks him. Do you see the timelines? If you are on the edge of a shift in the spirit, uh, you probably can see a spiritual component in your life to a fear that has come against you. Uh, and so that is the first thing that I would I would say for you uh, to think about and consider. Uh, the second thing I would uh, have you think about and consider in, in answering this question of whether or not an individual is facing stress straightforward, uh, basic fears because we're mortal, limited beings and spiritual oppression against us. The second thing is to ask yourself, what is the fear linked to? So the first thing we asked ourselves is, when does the fear come? Is there any significance to that context? The second thing is, what is the fear linked to? Um, psychologists have this term. I, I think they do. I, I, I've heard it a lot. It sounds sounds really official, and if they don't have this term, they should have this term. Maybe they could borrow it from me. Um, it's simply triggers, triggers, triggers. What triggers you? Um, so, uh, where, where in your life, where is this? Where is this fear of being? Where is it coming from? We first asked when. Now we're asking where. Um, if you if you have a something in your life that is triggering fear, um, it might be worth spending some time examining those triggers so you won't be ignorant of Satan's devices in your life. Do you see that? That's not my idea. That's a biblical idea. Um, you will not be ignorant of Satan's devices in your life. Uh, you can sometimes discover that you think you have, you think wounds have healed and they really haven't healed. They're now just being expressed through fear in your life. And when you are triggered, fear rises within you. But it's really an unhealed wound in your life that you've never really allowed yourself to overcome. I spoke with a lady here recently and we were having a conversation like this and uh, she was talking about 
uh, manner in which uh, fear would come against her. And she told the story of how when she was young, she she was a caregiver, probably too young. Her mother uh, died of cancer when she was uh, just early teens, and she was the caregiver for her mother. And she... She saw her mother die of cancer very young in life, and she was the one to take care of her. She was the one to clean up the the mess. She was the one to bring her, try to get her to eat after chemo. And she was just a little, she was just a little girl. And this is, I don't think nowadays, I don't know that our. Uh, hopefully, we have systems in place where this. But you can see how this could be very scarring to a person. And she told me she has she she had such. Uh, a horrible experience watching her mother die that she had lived with fear of cancer in her life that and when the enemy would come against her and say you're going to die just like your mama died and every image she had from that terrible year those terrible years as a child where she took care of her mother as she wasted away uh, she she told me those those fears would come against her and I immediately and of course we talked about this she's a lovely person and um, she's well aware of all of these things but it was just like a, a shock in my life of just how um, something can happen that is it was a deep deep wound in your life and you you made it through you learned to live with it but it is still seeping fear into your life. This is the power of confession, where you can go to God and you can confess your fears. You can confess your fears. Um, You speak faith and you confess fear. And so this is an example of how there can be something that has not healed. Uh, Everyone is afraid of simple fears. Everyone's afraid of losing their job. I know I am. Everybody's afraid of getting sick. I know I am. I don't want to get sick. I've been sick. Everyone's afraid of, 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 of losing a loved one. Everyone's afraid of that thing that's formative to you. That's simple fear. But a wound in our past can have the same effect as a weeping, a weeping wound that is always corrupt. The problem with that is that wound, it's not that it will kill you, but it will keep your immune system so low that something else may kill you. It's not the will of God. By his stripes, we are healed. I want to speak healing to every one of you who have lived through terrible things. Every one of you who have lived through horrible things and losses and you survived, and you learned how to put your shoes on again and walk one foot in front of the other, I want to tell you that there is healing. Is there not a bomb in Gilead? The wound may not always express as bitterness. Bitterness is probably the easiest thing to recognize as a wound that has not healed. But it can be more than just bitterness. It can be something else entirely. It can be a consistent fear in your life. If you have a fear problem, uh, it may be a weeping wound from the past that you need to you need to truly receive divine healing from. Uh, if you uh, continuing with these triggers, this idea of triggers. So we talked about uh, wounds that perhaps have not have not healed. I, I want to challenge you with this one. If you are having a consistent fear problem, it really may not be a fear problem. It may be a lordship problem. 
it's harder than we like to admit to really trust God with our lives. I know we sing songs about it and we jump up and down when the preacher preaches, but honey, it's harder than you think to open your hands and say, I'm not in control. I accept your way. This is a lordship issue. Who's going to sit on the throne? So many people, I've heard them say, if I have to go through that, I'm just not going to serve God. I've heard that. That's a lordship problem. You're not serving God now. I mean, I know you're coming to church, but if that is your heart, he's not really on the throne. That's a lordship problem. Uh, Fear, the truth is, troubles may come. Winds may blow. But if he is on the throne, won't it be okay? If the answer to that question is anything other than, it is well with my soul, it might be good for you to spend some time in the presence of God and say, Lord, I repent for competing with who sits on the throne. And I humbly bow myself before you and I ask you to sit on the throne of of my life. Um, Also, in terms of this lordship problem, I I put in your notes two tests uh, for you to apply to yourself to see if you have a lordship problem. I know I applied them both to myself and said, oh me. Uh, Number one, if your greatest fear comes upon you, can you still bow before the Lord and say, it is well with my soul? Number two, who are you really afraid of? Are you afraid of the Lord or are you afraid of what someone will say of you? Fear of men is one of the great hindrances of spiritual purpose and mission because it allows you to hide your fear, to masquerade it as a good thing. You'll just call it wisdom. Every place in the Bible where God does a great work of faith, the person standing in the gap is doing something that looks to all the outsiders as dumb. Unwise, brother. And the guy saying, no, we're going to light these torches and we're going to break these, these pots and we're going to blow these trumpets. Brother, that's not wise. We don't approve of this plan. Moving along, it's quiet. That means I'm doing a specially good job. Um, if you do not have, if, if you have this continuing fear in your life, you may not have a fear problem. You may have a sin problem. So what have I talked about? I've talked about you may not have a fear problem. You may have a wound. Number two, you may not have a fear problem. You may have a lordship problem. Number three, you may not have a fear problem. You may have a sin problem. Hidden sin destroys your confidence with God. Somebody say, my God, that's fine preaching. That that was kind of an awkward thing to say, but I just felt like I should give myself a compliment. (laughs) This hits me. That's why I think it's good for you. If our conscience condemn us not, then we have confidence toward God. 1 John 3, 21 and 22. If our confidence condemn us not, then we have uh, peace with God. We have confidence with God. Beloved, if our heart condemn us not, then we have confidence toward God. 
and whosoever we ask, we receive, and whatsoever we ask of, we receive of him. This is faith because we kept his commandment and do those things that are pleasing in his sight. If you're fighting with fear, and I'm almost done, <clears throat> I want you to see that it may not be a real fear problem. It may be a wound problem. It may be a lordship problem. It may be a sin problem. So uh, to review real quick, if I were facing this issue of is something simple fear or is it spiritual oppression? Number one, where does the fear come from? Number two, what is the fear linked to? What are my triggers? Uh, and number three, <clears throat> answering this question, or what are the consequences of fear winning in this circumstance? So where or number one was when, number two was where, number three was what are the consequences of fear. If your fear wins, if you freeze, if you quit, if you give up, who suffers? If it's primarily you who suffers, there's a good chance that it's just ordinary fear. But if it's the people that God appointed you to love, if they're the one who suffers, there's a good chance that hell's worried that you're going to have a breakthrough. If you are the only one at risk, <clears throat> if your fear comes to pass, it may just be simple, simple fear. Uh, the devil doesn't think much of people who spend their time fear, fighting uh, fear. Uh, fear is right where hell wants you and me. We really don't need the devil to fight us if we're living in fear because, well, we're doing the hell's work for us. <clears throat> Oppression will come when the devil's afraid that your mission is going to be fulfilled. There's a good chance that that is more than simple fear. There's a good chance there is a spiritual component to that attack. Um, if it is the mission that is at risk, there's probably a spiritual component to it. If it is your calling that is at risk, there is probably a spiritual component to it. If it is your anointing that is at risk, there is probably a spiritual component to it. There is a better chance you're dealing with spiritual resistance than if it's just you getting sick or you losing your job or me. Let me speak this so it doesn't sound, I don't want it to sound harsh or judgmental. Um, if I'm just worried about me running out of money or me getting sick or me and mine, uh, if I'm living there, um, I probably have one of those earlier problems we worked out, we talked about, and I need to surrender to the Lord. I need to put the Lord on the throne. I need to stand in his word. I need to celebrate his promise. Um, but if there's a spiritual component in the sense that the mission, if I give in to fear, it's the mission that'll suffer. I want to challenge all of you who have gifts upon your life. I deeply believe in your giftedness because the Bible says he's made investments in you. He takes it further than that. He gives you a judgment image, a judgment parable in the Bible that he directly replies to all of us. And that is this, he has made investments in us. He is going to see what we do with those investments and he's going to reward us according to what we do in response to what he has done for us. So I want to challenge all of you. You are more gifted than you realize. You are more blessed than you realize. You are more able than you realize. You should awaken in your heart. You should bind together with people who believe in your gifts. If you find people who are always talking to, explaining why you're not ready, why you're not good enough, uh, you're not getting anything done. You already have a good list that you, you have programmed. You need, to be, you need to find other people who will speak life to you, people who will equip you. 
The Bible calls people like that the church, the body of Christ. And the Bible spends a lot of time telling us that we should find a way to prefer one another and include one another. And the hand doesn't get to say to the eye, I have no need of you. I'm saying it loud and clear. We need your gift. And we need you to rise up in faith and set aside fear and say, I want to take a chance for God. Every act that you do for the kingdom will have an element in it that feels like you taking a risk. If there is a mission you have defined and you never feel like you're taking a risk, honey, you have not aimed high enough. There is an element of risk. Uh, I'll never forget Brother Pugh here defining uh, faith simply as risk. Faith is spiritual risk. And so I want to end tonight, uh, and I'm, I'm, I'm right on time, and I'm feeling very, very good about my uh, time discipline here tonight. So I'm going to go another 10 minutes. Just kidding. Don't get angry at me. I've put in your notes a bunch of scriptures, approximately 20 or so scriptures that are just great fear scriptures. Let's end by uh, reading some of them together as our musicians come, and then we're going to end with prayer. Uh, Isaiah 41 and 10, so do not fear, for I am with you. Somebody say amen. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. That's some good stuff right there. Psalms 56 and 3. When I am afraid, I put my trust in you. Philippians 4, 6, and 7. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. That's some good stuff right there. John 14, 27, peace is what I leave with you. It is my own peace that I give you. I do not give as the world does. Do not be worried and upset. Do not be afraid. And how about 2 Timothy 1 and 7? For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. You should tell somebody, no, I'm not crazy. 1 John 4 and 18, there is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. Psalms 94, 19, when anxiety was great within me, your consolation brought joy to my soul. Isaiah 43 and 1, but now this is what the Lord says. Fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by my name. You are mine. Mm. Mm. I wish I had a church. That's what my friend Omar says. He says, I wish I had a church. If you're watching that, I got that from you, just so you know. An anxious heart, Proverbs 12 and 25. An anxious heart weighs a man down, but a kind word cheers him up. Oh, how about Psalms 23? Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. How about Joshua 1 and 9? Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be terrified.
fortified. Do not be discouraged, for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. I've got a bunch more scriptures there for your reading pleasure. Let's all stand all across the house. I'd like you to turn around to somebody. I'd like you to find somebody it's appropriate for you to do this with. I'd like you to take their hand. I'd like you to look them right in the eye. Find somebody real quick. We're in and you're just look around, reach out, find someone, look them right in the eye and say, I rebuke your fear. Tell them that. Say, I rebuke your fear. Tell them that. If you're visiting with us, we're sorry for making you feel awkward right now. We're just crazy like this. I want you to have confidence to do this. Say this and say, I rebuke your fear. Now tell them this. Say, tell them this. Say, because I don't suffer from your fear, I can be bold like that. Tell them. I got a different set of fears. I don't suffer from your fear. Different fears, different people. Thank you. 
fearful spirit, any one of those conditions of your heart will turn you away from your mission and your calling. What is your mission and your calling? Well, ask yourself how you're doing loving the people God has appointed you to love and manifest the kingdom of God to. That is your mission. If you choose to accept it, that is your mission. Uh, you will turn away from that and turn all your spiritual energy in, inward through a wounded spirit, a railing spirit, consuming one another, or a fearful spirit. We are able to be healed. Charlotte, North Carolina area, come worship with us at 4929 North Sharon Amity Road. For information about service times and church ministries, visit us online at firstchurchclt.com. If you would like to help support our efforts, text GIVE to 704-445-5353. We pray God's richest blessings to you. Come worship with us.